0: What I love about investigating is even if we get nothing at the site, just being there and realizing the history of the place. Along with that, meeting other paranormal teams that I really enjoy. You know, the paranormal community on a whole is absolutely fantastic. So I enjoy that part of it.
1: Welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast, and happy Cyber Monday. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I chat with Kat Tedson. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I chat with Kat Tedson. Kat is a paranormal researcher based in Macomb Township, Michigan, and the co-author of the Haunted Travels of Michigan series, along with her late sister Bev Rydell. Beginning as a skeptic, Kat's sister Bev captured something strange on a photo she took after dinner at the Whitney in Detroit back in 2006. Since that strange experience, Kat's fascination with the paranormal world only grew, as she's done over 350 investigations in Michigan and has traveled to other notable haunted locations across the country. Our conversation ranges from some notable locations Kat has investigated, to some profound evidence and experiences she's had along the way, and ultimately what makes the Great Lakes State such a special place to explore. With all that in mind, just sit back, relax, and get ready for Kat Tedson's journey as an author, paranormal researcher, and explorer of the unexplained. All right, so Kat, welcome to the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast, and first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with me.
0: Well, it's great to be here, Eric. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Yeah, of course. Now, we're here to talk all about your involvement in the paranormal world, and according to your website, you first got into the paranormal world in 2006. So to start things off, what happened in 2006, or I guess prior to that, that got you into the paranormal world to begin with?
0: Well, uh, actually, it was a a dinner that we went to. My husband had gotten a promotion, so uh, he took my sister and I to this restaurant in Detroit called The Whitney. And this is, you know, back in the time when The Whitney didn't have this crazy reputation as being haunted. And it was there after dinner, um, which was wonderful food there is fantastic but it was after the dinner my sister and I and my husband were walking around and she was taking photographs of the interior because it's it's beautiful and the next day we're kind of looking at the photographs and there's this one that was taken on the second floor it looks like this mr cloud that's rotating very rapidly and it's like well, what the heck is that And we didn't think about ghosts or hauntings or anything of that nature. But I had a friend at the time who was a photographic forensic analyst. And he did contract work for the FBI. And I thought, well, if anyone can tell me what this is, it's going to be him. So I sent out the photograph. And at first he said, well, this is dust, which made me crazy because it looked (laughs) nothing like dust. And he said, well, you don't understand how different dust can look on a photographic lens and um, he explained all that to me I won't get into it now but he (laughs) he as we were talking he looked and he said it does have some different appearances to it so he said give me a few days and he went through whatever process he went through and he came back a few days later and said you know I don't think it's dust And I asked him what it was, and he did not know. He said, but whatever it was, the particle or whatever, was rotating at a very, very rapid rate of speed, so much so that it was creating a trail behind it, a swirling trail, and there was movement in the trail. Hmm. So I've never had that photograph disproven, and it was that photograph taken at the Whitney on the second floor that brought us into the paranormal. And for the next year, we investigated the Whitney restaurant. And I will tell you, that is where I had my first actual (laughs) paranormal (laughs) experience. And when you've had that, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. And we recorded a lot of phenomena at that point at the Whitney restaurant. And that started the paranormal journey from there.
1: Oh, that's awesome. No, I, I love that story. And I was I, I was actually just listening to your interview on the Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters podcast. And I believe you mentioned the Whitney on there as well. But, yes. Yeah. Admittedly, I've not been there, but it sounds like a really interesting place to it explore is. for sure.
0: It's beautiful. <laughs> and it was the story, the very first story in the Haunted Travels of Michigan Volume 1 book. And, you know, we do a lot of historical research with each investigation. And I found out the background behind David Whitney and his family, which uh, David Whitney is an incredibly wealthy businessman and lumber baron, and he built the Whitney restaurant. So I was able to connect the history of the family in that house to some of the uh, evidence we recorded, and that makes it, you know, s- so much better.
1: Hmm. Oh, definitely. And yeah, you briefly mentioned the Haunted Travels of Michigan, so I want to pivot mm-hmm. there for a minute then. Okay. So. Yeah, you have a trilogy of books titled The Haunted Travels of Michigan, which collectively recounts 10 years worth of research and investigation reports of unexplained phenomena around the state. Now, did you ever intend on making this a trilogy from the start, or did you just keep adding more volumes as you would investigate more locations?
0: We kept adding. Really, we thought it would just be the one book, Mm
1: -hmm. but uh,
0: we just kept getting more calls from people conducting investigations and getting crazy evidence and stories, and, and we thought, let's continue but after 3 we thought i've probably been on over 350 investigations just in michigan and of those <laughs> i know i have got about 34 35 cases we couldn't explain so i thought okay let's just set it at the third you know three books but yes we only expected to do one book initially
1: <laughs> it's kind of crazy how those things, you know, pan out. Like, uh, yes, one, yes. one thing could, you know, like, just evolve and, and um, snowball into something that you didn't expect from the beginning. And that's, yes. you know, that's kind of the exciting thing about life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't it? It
0: is true. that is absolutely true. You know, when we started this, actually, uh, my sister Bev and I, we were totally skeptical. We had read a couple of books on the paranormal that were out back then. And what they showed as evidence, we thought, was... Not true. (laughs) It was goofy. (laughs) Goofy. I'm just gonna say goofy. So, um, uh, but what we found out is whilst a lot of what you read is not necessarily basis for, for fact, you know, the history, a lot of ghost stories that aren't real, urban legends, there's something that's going on out there. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no question with all the traveling we've done and all the investigations, it's rare to really capture real evidence or or startling evidence or evidence that can connect to history. But I've done that enough to realize, yeah, there's something out there we can't see or hear most of the time, Mm -hmm. but exists.
1: Oh, yeah, so true. Now, and ever since you first got into the paranormal world, I mean, like you mentioned before, you traveled all around Michigan, upwards of 350 locations, investigations. So what is it about Michigan that keeps you coming back and making you want to explore it more in depth?
0: Well, it's my home state, so I have Mm -hmm. an affinity to my home state. For sure. And it just has a lot of paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. You know, I have been across the U.S. I've been from Philadelphia down to Louisiana Mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of places in between. But I just am drawn to Michigan. I love the state. It's got... Great lakes, it's got great spots to vacation, and it also has a lot of paranormal activity that's sometimes overlooked because Michigan doesn't have the history like Gettysburg or Mm -hmm. like the plantations in the Deep South, like the Myrtles Plantation. But my gosh, there's a lot going on in our state.
1: Oh, yeah. No, so true. And I mean, I'm a Michigander myself, born and raised. Uh, uh-huh. I, obviously, I have very strong ties uh, to the Great Lakes State as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's um, I agree, though, like it, the paranormal world or the paranormal community in Michigan often does get overlooked and they do. There is a lot of just unrest and interesting history i don't know if you've ever watched anything from steve shippey who's very heavily based oh, yes. in the saginaw area yeah
0: absolutely yep oh yeah oh yeah prozac
1: prozac yes yes that <laughs> that's is a, right. His stage name but, uh, yeah 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 no uh, I lo- i love his like investigations and approach I it I-, I got sucked up into all of his documentaries and everything on on amazon prime just looking oh, yeah. around the saginaw area it's it's he's truly fascinating. Good. And he and... does a
0: really good job with it. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. do some of the antics that some other, I'm not going to mention what, but <laughs> he, he's very serious about what he's doing and I like it. So yeah, he does a good job.
1: No, I agree completely. And yeah, it's, it's wild. And I actually lived in, in Saginaw for several years while I was going to school. And oh, I actually okay. like went to some of the places or some of the places he was investigating were right around, you know, where mm-hmm. I lived and where I would hang out. So it's a, uh, I was kind of oblivious to it at the time. I was like, oh, like I passed by this bike shop like every day. I didn't know yes. it was so haunted. And they got some crazy evidence there. <laughs> no, it's it's wild, though. It's uh, it's truly an interesting city. And I mean, Michigan as a whole is just a very interesting state for the paranormal world in general. So,
0: oh, absolutely. Oh,
1: definitely. Now, I know this is kind of a loaded question. But in addition <laughs> to the Whitney, perhaps, is there a particular location that really stood out to you and left a significant impact?
0: Hmm. As far as evidence or just overall history with evidence?
1: Oh, it it could be either one. I mean, it could just be like just an overall overwhelming experience at a place. It doesn't even necessarily have to be your most profound evidence.
0: Sure, sure. Well, I have to say that the Terrace Inn in Petoskey, Michigan, was another incredible, very memorable investigation. It does have paranormal activity. When I investigated it, my gosh, I think it was back in 2008, there were certain sections that had a lot of strange phenomena. we That's where I saw a baby carriage move. It was crazy. It was in the basement, far away from everything that the normal you know, patrons of the terrace because it's a bed and breakfast or inn, mm-hmm. um, would see. But we saw a baby carriage move down there. We believe from... Other evidence we had recorded that it's a young male from a period called the Chautauqua period, which is a religious movement, and we got his voice. There were some female investigators down in this one section of the basement, and that's where the carriage moved, and they're asking these typical EVP questions.
1: In case you haven't listened to other episodes with paranormal investigators on the show, EVP stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena and are captured on electronic recording devices. These voices aren't always heard in the moment while recording, but are discovered when reviewing the recorded audio later. These sounds are interpreted as being spirit voices, and are generally brief, either being a word or a short phrase.
0: (laughs) And nothing happened while they were there, but I'd left an audio recorder down there, and about 20 seconds after these women laughed, there were three of them, we got this young male voice that said, Fools. And it was so clear, and I thought that is so that is so typical of a young guy. You know, he sees these women asking him goofy questions. He's not going to respond, so he calls them <laughs> fools. You know, um, another place. I'm trying. To, oh, the Italian Hall disaster in Calumet, Michigan, the Calumet Theater. Had an old section, or still has an old section called the Red Jacket Theater, and that was one of the first theaters in Calumet, which is on the western section of the UP. And there was a terrible thing that happened. It was the Italian Hall disaster, and it was oh gosh, coal miners were having a strike. This is you know in the early 19th uh, 20th century, and. They were poor. There was no money, and so the unions decided to merge their money, you know, get whatever money they could, and have like a little Christmas thing for the children. And they went to the Italian hall. They were going to give out little gifts and sing Christmas carols, and it was supposed to be a happy time. And they were in the middle of this party, and there were way too many people. They packed way too many people in there, and somebody yelled fire. So it was absolutely horrific. Back in those days, you know, fire, these places were pure tinder. So mm-hmm. people just panicked. And in this giant swell, they turned and they started running toward the single exit of the Italian Hall. And they started tripping and falling down the stairs. They were landing on each other. They couldn't get out. The doorway was blocked. And dozens of people, I think over 70 people, suffocated on the stairway. Oh, wow. And there was no fire, no fire at all. And they think it was somebody not associated with the union who was angry at the union for the strike that was going on. They think it was Hmm. someone doing that. So we investigated uh, the Calumet Theater. The Red Jacket is where some of the deceased were moved to. So we investigated that, and we got some pretty interesting evps and the actual italian hall now that site has been leveled they just have a memorial there but that was quite an interesting investigation mackinac island oh my gosh you know <laughs> how can i say no to that yeah people say yeah. you know oh it's uh, oh what is it mission point resort they say is the most active along with of course um what is the big hotel there
1: Ooh uh I'd you have to know Google what I'm that ta- you know what I'm uh, talking I feel it like I've been there. It's been so long though. Oh my gosh. The name of that hotel that seemed to stump both of us is the Grand Hotel, in case you were curious. Anyway, let's
0: let's go yeah, I I hate that I don't remember that, but uh <laughs> so they think the uh Mission Point Resort has a lot of activity and my sister Bev and I did a haunted weekend in Mackinac Island for five or six years and we stayed at Mission Point Resort and I I can say we investigated a lot of that hotel most of it nothing but there is one building there called the Straits Lodge which is has activity and some crazy things happened in the Straits Lodge and in room 2200 So, gosh, I could go on. I've had a lot of interesting experience. There was an exorcism or actually a deliverance I saw in Holly, Michigan, which was people ask me, you know, what is your scariest, most frightening thing? Mm -hmm. And I I will say witnessing the deliverance of this person. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a story called The Holly Demon, which is uh, the lead story in the second book. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that is something I never want to see again, ever.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And actually, yeah, I remember you talking a little bit more in depth on that podcast I mentioned previously, the Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters podcast episode. And yeah, so I guess for the listeners and everything, because I actually haven't heard of deliverance prior to that. So can you briefly explain the difference between deliverance and a traditional exorcism?
0: Right. Well, there's a couple of things with that. Number one, an exorcism can only be done by a Catholic ordained priest that has been given compensation by the Catholic Church to to do exorcism. So anything beyond that, so an exorcism can only be done by a Catholic priest. A deliverance can be done by other ministers. But the other aspect of deliverance, generally speaking, when you're delivered, you don't have a full attachment, but you're being influenced by a negative entity, hmm. And so that is a deliverance when it's not you don't have total possession and you're not a Catholic priest. <laughs> <So>.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. And, I, and I'm certainly no expert in this field by any means. But from yes. what I've been gathering, uh, possession is the is the final stage. It's, it's the yes. highest form. But there are, there can be minor levels before that. Like, I believe oppression is is slightly before that to where it's not a full possession. But yes. it's, you're being influenced. Yes. essentially. Yes. Very Mm -hmm.
0: good. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, um, and that story, it was, I don't know if she was fully possessed. Well, I don't want to tell too much. We don't have that much Mm -hmm. time. But, (laughs) you know, some things happened. At first, I wasn't sure if what I was watching (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like yeah. really first of all she didn't turn into a pretzel, you know, like you see on mm-hmm. the movies. But it was so emotionally intense for her and it was draining on me. That evening when I came home I was completely physically exhausted. And there there came a moment when she spoke this the Satan's name, the the spirit or the negative entity that was connected to her.
1: Cat reveals the name of that negative entity here but I just didn't feel comfortable putting it out into the airwaves for this episode. Any future references to this negative entity have been censored.
0: And uh, the word was... And what was so crazy is we had two teams at that. Uh, well, one team broken into two. One was at this antique shop in Holly, Michigan, and the other was at this woman's home. And we had synced our watches, went through the deliverance. She's going through... A... Just an emotional, racking period. She calls the name, and I swear, within a minute of that, according to the timing, in the Holly Antique Shop, they recorded Satan and. Oh, wow. I know. And that is a story that actually ended up on Paranormal Witness, which was a TV show.
1: In case you want to check out this episode for yourself, it's called Lady on the Stairs, and it's season two. Episode 5 of Paranormal Witness. You can also stream Paranormal Witness on Peacock or Hulu with a premium subscription.
0: Now, the TV show completely changed the story to fit, unfortunately, what they thought mm. was the demographic. But mm-hmm. the actual story is stunning. And our, what we have discovered is we connected events that happened more than 100 years ago in Holly, Michigan, to this woman and everything she was seeing and experiencing is something that happened to another woman more than 100 years ago and it was oh, it wow. blew me away i know it to this day it still blows me away
1: <laughs> no that's crazy and oh my gosh you t- you touched on so many locations and so many places to where i admittedly didn't really know the history of so i'll definitely have to dig into these further um but that's that's extremely interesting yeah. Now, I want to pivot for a minute to your, your latest book, Stepping Into Darkness, which, yes. from what I'm gathering, focuses more on past events that defy logic rather than paranormal investigations. Now, right. how is the approach of writing this book compared to the Haunted Travels of Michigan series?
0: Well, that's that's a good question. It was, well, completely different, even though I will say there are two investigations in Stepping Into Darkness. One mm-hmm. is that didn't get into the Haunted Travel series. One is takes place on Mackinac Island, and the other is the only residential investigation that we would tell about because, you know, we don't write about private residential cases in our book except for this one. Mm-hmm. But in writing the other stories, when we were researching cases for the Haunted Travels of Michigan Trilogy, we came across many strange and bizarre events uh, in michigan's past that doesn't really didn't fit in with paranormal investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two stories in there about spiritualists, two women who gained international fame for their ability to communicate with the other side. So the last book, oh, a crazy story about a nun who was murdered in northern Michigan. We hmm. came across these crazy stories, so we spent a lot of time in researching it. Researching. We were <laughs> buried in archives and newspaper <laughs> articles. Uh, we were so much fun at a party back then. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, please tell us about you know the, the microfiche. And the uh, ancestry but the stories are all very well researched and historically true some are pretty dark i will say um and others are kind of uplifting like one of the stories uh, that deals with the spirit painter she mm-hmm. this was during the turn of the century all the way through like 1940s she was an amazing woman it was not scary she was in a, just an amazing talent as well and the paintings that she painted to this day, will sell for tens of thousands of dollars, and her paintings foretold the future of the world. And some of the paintings that she did in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, you look at them and say, wow, this is incredible. <laughs> so anyway, yes, the, the more recent book, Stepping into Darkness, just entailed a lot more historical research.
1: hmm Gotcha. Now, I guess in terms of the process of writing your books, is there a part of the process you enjoy the most? I mean, is it the research aspect, investigating itself, the writing, the traveling? Is there something that really stands out to you that you just... You
0: kind of hit all of them. (laughs) We loved all of it. You know, what I love about investigating is even if we get nothing at the site... Just being there and realizing the history of a place. Along with that, meeting other paranormal teams that I really enjoy. You know, the paranormal community on a whole is absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy that part of it. And the history, I'm big into history, so I just love that as well. And writing. You know, I've always been a writer. That was my career before I got into paranormal. So Mm -hmm. I can really dig into writing and So all of it, all of the above.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good answer. Because, yeah, when I I try to think of that for myself in terms of just podcasting or any of my sort of creative outlets – that's kind of the conclusion I come to too. I'm like, well, I do really like writing the questions, and it is really fun talking to people, and it's fun kind yeah. of putting everything together. It's yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I completely understand that.
0: It's, it is, <laughs> and, you know, and putting things together is another thing with uh, trilogy. What mm-hmm. what we did beyond much, many of the other, if not all of the other paranormal books out there. When we went on an investigation and we took the reader with us and we uncovered video or audio evidence, we would put it on our website. So, you know, if they, you can read the books without going to the website and you'll be fine, but if you want to hear or see the, the evidence recorded, you can go to the website and you can see it there. So it takes it a step further than most of the other books.
1: Yeah, I, I noticed that actually when I was uh, digging around on your website, I think that's really cool how interactive it is. I mean, you pick up the book, you you read through it, and then you kind of get those little codes and whatnot to go on the website to access the, you know, the actual physical evidence you've gotten the you know the EVPs or the or video. just some of the evidence there. The video, um, yeah, yeah, video. Oh, that's awesome. And um, that
0: was fun to put together too. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Definitely. <laughs> no, that's so cool. All right. So, Kat, now that I have a sense of your recent life journey, I want to ask a series of questions to get a sense of your travel taste. Okay. And these are questions I've been asking all my guests in recent interviews, having an absolute blast with it. And since life is full of both physical and metaphorical journeys, I want my Mm -hmm. my listeners to get a taste of some physical destinations you've experienced or want to experience that are worth exploring. So, you ready to give it a shot?
0: Oh, let's go. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Let's go.
1: All right. City, state, or country with the best food, and what is your go-to food of choice there?
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> man food of choice well I do like southern cooking so um, oh yeah <laughs> Louisiana I love it uh, oh my gosh I love Louisiana New Orleans oh my gosh mm-hmm. I love that it gets a little stinking hot in New Orleans but um, <laughs> just the atmosphere and for paranormal New Orleans it's just a hotbed of, of paranormal phenomena oh
1: so yeah. oh my gosh it's,
0: It's great. You know, if you get a chance, go to New Orleans. Uh, You can visit some of the cemeteries. Just the the whole thing is just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Myrtles Plantation, a wonderful place to visit. And, you know, it's got a reputation for being haunted. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did experience a few things. But, yeah, I kind of, I like that southern cooking. Mm, It's good. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, Boston. I've been to Boston. um, Mm -hmm. Plymouth. Massachusetts, and I love the culture in Boston. I like the people in Boston, the history. Oh yeah, and they have a lot of paranormal, uh, and they have um, great, great pizza too. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, anywhere on the on the East Coast, getting yes, pizza, you sir. can't go yes, wrong. Sir. You cannot go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought up New Orleans and Louisiana specifically too, because. New Orleans is one of the the few major cities in the U.S. that I still haven't been to, but I'm finally changing that. I actually just signed up for a race in Baton Rouge in January, a marathon oh, cool. out there. Cool, that's and great. And about an hour and a half from New Orleans, so naturally I'm going to go explore New Orleans. But heck yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, Louisiana. I only have Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Alaska to go, and I would will have been to all fifty states. So I'm trying oh, to knock that's... that out in 2023. Uh, fingers crossed, but yeah. yeah, that's, um, so yeah, any sort of, uh, food or, or destination recommendations, I'm all for them for Louisiana <laughs> when I go.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'll have to look at my journaling, uh, my journal, cause I don't remember, but it's just an amazing place. Uh, oh, you, will, yeah. I, you, you oh gotta go. It's super crowded. I mean, if you're the kind of person that doesn't like congested, you know, very old things, you're not going to like it. And, you know, Bourbon Street at night is just sin city. They lock it down. Mm -hmm. People are walking all over, and you can be walking on the street and find you have a beer in your hand. You're not even sure (laughs) who gave it to you, you know. Um, But it's just a a mecca of craziness, so I I do like that. Oh, Um, definitely. Oh, Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's still, let's see, other places I might want to visit, I do want to go to Alaska. I will mm-hmm. say that uh, that's on my bucket list, and I would like to go to New Hampshire, uh, not just because it's uh, supposedly beautiful. There's some of the bed and breakfasts I want to go to that have paranormal activity. I'd like to check those out. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. And <laughs> but I've traveled a lot. I've traveled a lot. So. Not nice. too many. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It used to be more fun traveling airplanes right now. They're not as enjoyable as they once were.
1: <laughs> gosh. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Uh, now, most underrated city, state, or country?
0: Mm. Well, I haven't really traveled to Europe. I haven't gone across the pond, though I'd love mm-hmm. to go to London. Underrated. Well, you know, seriously, Michigan and Ohio are underrated. Underrated mm-hmm. for their paranormal activity and also their tourism. Ohio is some beautiful areas, Michigan is so beautiful, mm-hmm. and most people don't appreciate it you know they go to the california coastline which is absolutely gorgeous too or they'll go to the rugged coastlines of the east coast or they go to florida Mm -hmm. you know with the blue blue oceanic water or the gulf but michigan just by itself it has everything it's got your forest and wilderness and urban cities that are just bustling with all kinds of uh, fun things to do in theater so on oh, and, and ohio is a quieter town but it also has some pretty cool features too mm-hmm. so to oh, me it, those are underrated you know when people think of a travel destination in montana or iowa they don't mm-hmm. say oh let's go to michigan or ohio
1: <laughs> <laughs> right no definitely i mean yeah no michigan is is very underrated has a lot of cool um just so many cool things to experience and check out. And yeah. It does, I'm I'm really so. glad you mentioned Ohio specifically too and I'm probably going uh, <laughs> to I yeah. may have a lot of people unsubscribing or uh, sending me no but I mean just but uh but I defend Ohio a lot of the time and I I mm-hmm. probably get a lot of heat for it cuz a lot naturally in Michigan Ohio gets a lot of heat from a lot of people. But honestly, I've explored yeah. some pretty cool cities in Ohio and um you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll talk them up for sure and yeah, like Dayton's a really cool city. They have a oh, lot of yeah. inventors there, and yes. Columbus they got the they got the German village there. That's really fun to explore. Yeah. There's some really cool pockets of Ohio, and Absolutely. yeah, I yeah. I, so, okay, so any, <laughs> no, I don't, don't want to lose yeah. any
0: Ohio people. I love Ohio.
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, Rock don't and get me wrong. Roll I'm still Hall a big fame.
0: Cleveland is awesome. You oh know? yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, Cleveland's great. Oh my gosh. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I still root for. You know, my Michigan Wolverines, whenever they play Ohio State, I I will still always root for Michigan there.
0: Eric, shh. (laughs) Don't mention that right now.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm losing followers by the second. I can just feel it. Shh,
0: quiet now, quiet.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so (laughs) um, I think you kind of already alluded to this previously with Alaska and New Hampshire, but in Uh case you have any others, top city, state, or country on your bucket list that you would love to experience someday.
0: Well, again, I'd like to go to England, go to some of the castles there. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to see Stonehenge Tower of London. Um, Oh, yeah. I'd love to go to Italy, uh, Tuscany, especially that's where my family comes from, and um, it's historic. I have family over there, and there's paranormal activity in those castles. I want to experience it, you know, and just Mm -hmm. the grand beauty of it all. And as far as the U.S., gosh, I have traveled quite a bit like you. So, I mean, there's, there's so many beautiful places in the U.S. If you're just looking for enjoying the state, you know, not paranormal stuff, but... Um, Mm -hmm. so Montana I love that oh my gosh Wyoming I love that you know you can go out on these open roads and it's like an old-fashioned cowboy movie where it's just flat plains just flat 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 and then you have Mm -hmm. these rocky ridges or mountains that just pop up out of the ground and they have honest to goodness cowboys on horses herding cattle it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm in a Western here. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, Wyoming is great. Dakotas are fantastic. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I guess, you know, this is crazy. I've been all over, but I have never seen. I've been to a lot of the national parks, but I haven't been to Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's on my bucket list, too, and uh, Glacier Mountain. Oh, yeah. Glacier Mountain, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, definitely have to experience Yellowstone. And I mean it, it encompasses three states, so uh it's it's you can't miss it type thing once you're out in that area. But it's, yeah. Uh, yeah it's know. um no, it's it's amazing though. I've been there twice myself and I oh, mean gosh. It, it's, Oh, it's it's incredible out there. I mean, I, I've seen Old Faithful twice out there, and then you're killing and, me here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I, I really didn't intend to like just brag about anything right now, but I just. <laughs> but no, it's you're long story me. short. It's it's great to check out. <laughs> oh, and, and it's
0: and it's like you know I've been to the Grand Canyon two or three times, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But what a ama- and I've taken some of the back Jeep roads, amazing. But Yellowstone is. Give me, get me the Yellowstone somebody. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's, it's incredible. I mean, and just bison everywhere. Well, the first time I went there, I mean, yep. I saw so many, I didn't see as many the second time around, but yeah, yeah I, I almost just thought it was kind of normal. Cause I, I saw so many the first time around, That's but great. it's, oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And then speaking of Grand Canyon, if you ever get a chance to take a donkey or a, a burrow down to the. Uh, on the north rim and take it down into, I'll definitely do it. <laughs> I actually misspoke here and rode a mule down to the Grand Canyon and not a donkey. I know that seems trivial to clarify, but you'll get corrected pretty quickly if you try and book a donkey ride in the Grand Canyon and not a mule ride. Anyway, back to cat and I's conversation.
0: I walked Angel Bright Trail for part of the way. That's the trail the donkeys take. Yeah. And um, it is you can't be afraid of heights <laughs> and it's really easy heading down angel bright but coming back up don't go too far because it's pretty steep coming up but yes uh taking yeah. a donkey ride is an amazing experience i haven't done that yet but i have walked the trail for a bit it's beautiful awesome yeah. Yeah,
1: and um I think you already may have mentioned a few of these already too, but I say I save the the most loaded heavy one for last. Uh Ooh. your personal favorite city, state or country that you've been to.
0: Personal f- Oh, let me think. I've been to so many. Hmm. Okay. I've got it. I do like the Gulf Coast. I love the Gulf Coast. Alabama. Hi, Alabama. Uh, Florida (laughs) is fantastic it's just (laughs) I'm going back to southern cooking it's got some great food and the beaches are to die for I'm more of Mm -hmm. uh, an ocean mountain kind of person rather than urban cities so Mm -hmm. I would say you know the Gulf Coast states are my favorite even though I do I do love Charleston I love the Mm -hmm. history of Charleston and the homes there, you know, they kind of merge a lot of the very historic homes with newer homes. It's fantastic. And uh, now that we're talking about it, I love Gettysburg. And see, I, how do you mm-hmm. narrow it down? I love <laughs> <Exactly>. Philadelphia. <laughs> and Philadelphia is fantastic. It's a, such history. And the people are very friendly. And, you know, let's talk about those, you know, she's... Cheese steaks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my you
0: know, you know. I didn't. I didn't think I wanted one. I'm not really big <laughs> into beef, <clears throat> and it just seemed like you know you cook these on a grill and you put cheese in it and it's greasy and disgusting. But I was talked into going, and we were sent to this one hole in the wall place in Philadelphia. And it was like a dive, right? And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, of all places to go for a cheesesteak. But, you know, we said, that's the best place to go. So we went in there. It was absolutely packed. It was stinking hot that day. And we're all dying. And they gave us these cheesesteaks. And I, I fell in love with the cheesesteak. Is that possible? <laughs> it was so good. I couldn't finish it. But, you yeah, know, that was a good memory <laughs> of a cheesesteak. Can you die? <laughs>
1: Well, Kat, thank you for making me hungry. Um, so... <laughs> well, simple
0: pleasures, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. No. The, the, I mean, yeah. All those those food places are amazing. And I love what you talked yeah. about about the, the Gulf states as well. I'm actually going yes. back to Alabama in December to ah. run a marathon down there. I was originally supposed to do it last year in Huntsville, but then they uh, canceled it due to inclement weather. So... Fast forward, it's already been a year and I'm already, yeah. I'm going to be going down there in a few months to experience that again. But no, great, uh, great states for sure. Great area. Oh, sure. I imagine, have you had the chance to experience Savannah, Georgia yet?
0: I have. And I love that too. Oh, I love You know, love the Savannah. history, it's scenic, it's a wonderful town. The people are so friendly in Savannah. So yeah, I've, I've I ran some investigations there too. And I can't remember where they were. There was a plantation outside of Savannah. Anyway, I do love Savannah and also I can't forget Tennessee and the Smoky Mountains. Oh yeah. Oh God, I love that place. <laughs> I see there's another one. And not the food, I mean just mm-hmm. the beauty of the Smoky Mountains, the music. Oh, God, I love Tennessee. Okay, so there you go.
1: <laughs> That's it no I more, I
0: promise, no more.
1: <laughs> it's I know, I know what you mean though. It's so hard to narrow it down, especially yeah. if you're pretty well traveled and go to a lot of places cuz I'm like, yeah. well, because kind of the way I answer it too is it really depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for hiking, this is my favorite spot. If you're looking yes. for food, this yes. is my favorite spot. If you're looking, to, it's it's really it really comes down to what you're looking for. <laughs> Ex-
0: you know exactly, and everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, generally speaking, I as I mentioned, I like open air and lakes and oceans, and mountains. But you know, I really like Cleveland.
1: <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> I know, yeah. It's it's crazy, and then there's well, Chicago. Some
0: cities, Chicago's cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, there are some cities and areas that are really take you by surprise, and you just mm-hmm. kind of fall in love with. Like, yes, there are different places I didn't expect to. Not that I thought I I wouldn't like them by any means, but I go there, and I'm like, man, this is really cool, and it's and just uh, honestly, Savannah was one of them. It was a city I hadn't really heard of beforehand, and then I had a friend recommend it to me when I was just looking itching to go somewhere. And I went down there and, oh, my God, I just fell in love with it. I mean, it's it's amazing. Anyway, I I could talk all day about this kind of stuff. Yes, I I understand. (laughs) I get it. I get it. (laughs) Anyway, just kind of wrapping up with final thoughts and everything. I mean, do you currently have any upcoming events or projects that that you're working on right now that you're really excited about?
0: Um, Well, I've just finished with a few presentations that I gave in October. Um, Mm. I will be making – I will be a speaker for the Mid-Michigan Paranormal Convention November 6th which is in Mount Pleasant at the casino.
1: As I'm sure you've already realized that event has unfortunately passed. However I've linked the event page in the show notes anyway along with a link to other upcoming paranormal themed events in Michigan.
0: So after that as far as speaking engagements I'm chilling you know I'm I'm kind of wrapping it up for the year. I'm working on a couple of other book projects right now full speed ahead. Um, one of them is um, the historic town of Romeo, Michigan has an incredibly dark history. <laughs> and <laughs> for about two years, I, me, myself, and uh, some very cool investigators that work with me investigated every single building in the downtown area. And we got some crazy evidence and amazing history. So I'm working on Haunted Romeo. And then the one I'm really focused on right now is called Abandoned Places, Haunted Spaces. And Mm. it's taking us uh, around Michigan where uh, we're doing investigations, you know, trying to find abandoned locations with an interesting history. And I've got two or three right now that are just stunning. And, you know, these cases are not well known except for maybe one. Detroit had... uh, Benny Evangelical and the voodoo murders. So that's one of the stories in this abandoned places. Hmm. Um, but we go we're going all over Michigan so trying to find uh, an abandoned place with paranormal phenomena or at least a good history is really challenging but that's really a focus for me.
1: Nice. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to seeing all of these projects once they come to fruition and everything oh, thanks, once they're Eric. released out there. Yeah, no, that yeah. that sounds amazing and I've always heard of romeo michigan but admittedly don't know that much about it but i Mm -hmm. my gosh i've been learning so much just even in this (laughs) even (laughs) even just in our conversation of just places and history and and that i really need to check out for myself so no i'm excited about that
0: oh great
1: yeah awesome now uh is there anything i forgot to ask about that you wanted to touch on before we get into plugins and all that fun stuff
0: um I the plugs are always important you know? uh, you know, and i don 't want to forget that, but you know I, I think it, it's what 's going on in the paranormal community is a good topic for a brief conversation. You know mm-hmm. there is so much now that is happening than ever before new explorations there 's all kinds of equipment that 's being used um, personally i 'm not sure how effective. A lot of that very expensive equipment is, but it's still interesting. And I give uh, accolades to people coming up with new designs and new technology to try and record or identify things we can't understand. Um, So, you know. I I do respect what they're doing. But we're really in the infancy of what's going on in paranormal, trying to understand it. How do we record something that we don't really understand? What are we measuring? A lot of times we're looking at electromagnetic fields, but we're assuming that a spirit has high levels of EMF. Mm -hmm. And they may not. I mean, there's a, a very, well, new in the, idea of science but there's something called neutrino energy and neutrinos they don't have uh, electromagnetically charged elements so they're not going to show up on any of the meters and we don't know what we're looking at it could be spirits or ghosts or entities are existing Mm -hmm. in another dimension and that's what i'd really like to see is um, and what i'm trying to do as well bring people together with a diverse educational background, including medicine and science, as well as electrical, to bring together a team to really figure out what haven't we done so far that we could try and move forward on that might give us a better response. Mm
1: -hmm. No, Um, yeah.
0: And I'm all, I mean, there is, and we're not even sure, even though I, I personally am, but a lot of people aren't even sure if we have consciousness after we die. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we think we do. I've recorded some EVPs, which really suggest that there is an event that happened at a location and we recorded a voice directly connected to that person or that event, which recorded the EVP. But let's, you know, what are we doing? What strides are we taking to identify if this is to I don't know to validate it further I know there's one gentleman I'm following a Dr. Samuel Parnia he's the director of research uh, cardiopulmonary resuscitation a big title at NYU and he has conducted the biggest most comprehensive study of continued human consciousness now Dr. Parnia he doesn't believe in paranormal you know he's not looking at it from that perspective he's looking at it from a purely medical scientific perspective and he is working with 15 medical centers around the world and they have actually been able to resuscitate more than 2,000 patients some of which had been flatlined you know their heart was stopped their brain waves had ended for up to several hours. And what he discovered in this research over a certain period of time is that 40% of those resuscitated had a high perception of what had happened while they were medically dead. 10% had a profound mystical experience. We've heard of NDEs, you know, death experiences. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Parney was blown away by that. So 10% had this... You know, mystical experience, but what really blew them away two percent and that's not a large amount, but two percent is huge when you realize these people had been dead for a few hours. two percent had clear, fully conscious, quantifiable awareness of what had happened in the hours when they were dead. Hmm. and he and his medical team is continuing their studies and research to further identify. You know, what is this consciousness that extends beyond our our bodies, minds? So that's the kind of thing I am really fascinated with. And I hope that's not boring to tears, the people listening to
1: this. No, I I hope not either, because I was really intrigued by all that myself. I mean, that's that's something that's really fascinating to me as well. And I, I couldn't agree with you more about what you said earlier about how I think we just need more people from diverse backgrounds all coming together Mm -hmm. and just weighing in with all of their different, you know, perspectives and vantage points to try to, you know, uncover some of these mysteries and answer some of these greater questions. Because there's still so much out there we don't know.
0: (laughs) So much. I mean, it's almost like we are in five-year-olds. And I don't mean Mm -hmm. to denigrate anyone, but it's (laughs) like we're learning the letters of the alphabet But we haven't learned how those letters make words. Mm -hmm. And that is where I think a lot of us are at in the paranormal research phase. You know, we're seeing the letters, but how do we put the letters together to make words? So uh, it's exciting what's going to happen in the future. And I hope, you know, the teams come together and we continue to move forward.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Like, and and I watched, I mean, ghost shows religiously and and things Mm -hmm. of that nature, but yeah, I noticed that as well to where, you know, they'll uh, they'll measure different EMFs and everything, but uh, that's really okay. interesting what you mentioned earlier about neutrinos because that's something yeah. I've never heard of either, but that's a totally different game changer. I mean, completely completely <laughs> Something could be happening, and we're not even aware of it, or some absolutely. form of communications happening. And it's,
0: yes, exactly, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and if we look at you know quantum theory or string theory, it tells us that there is at least eleven dimensions. Of course, it's quantum, which means you know scientific minds are saying this could happen, but they put together with their scientific knowledge, uh, the theorists are. are really putting the building blocks together from multiple dimension as, as a possibility, of which, of course, we can only see in three dimensions. So what mm-hmm. happens in those other dimensions, according to scientists, is that time vanishes. It's just a continuous knowledge which blows my mind. I, I can't even wrap my head around it. But uh, if these, ex- there could be other entities existing in another mm-hmm. dimension beyond that which we can see and hear.
1: Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. That's like my bread and butter. I, I eat that stuff up. I mean, I have so many different books talking about those concepts, and it, yes. I, you know, I have to kind of like read them in small doses. And I'm sure a lot of it flies over my head, but it's it's mm-hmm. all so interesting to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh me, my gosh, me too. I can.
1: <laughs> I could talk all day about this kind of stuff, but I think uh, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> uh, you know, good good spot to wrap things up and everything on that yes. that hopeful note of all that could come in the paranormal field and all that's happening with it. So I guess yeah. I guess on that, I mean, where can people find more information about yourself, your books, haunted travels of Michigan, and anything mm-hmm. else you want to plug?
0: Well, uh, the books are available at most major bookstores, including Amazon, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, they can always visit the website. On my website, I'm posting places I'm going to be. If anyone wants me to speak at an event, I have a variety of topics I can speak on. So they can contact me through the website, which is hauntedtravelsmi.com.
1: Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah, and I'll make sure to throw all this in the show notes, but oh my gosh, Kat, once again, thank you so much for taking the time for this. I mean, I always love talking about the paranormal and have a soft spot for the Great Lakes State being born and raised here, so... Totally win win for this conversation. (laughs) I had a great time. You're a good interviewer, Eric. Well well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I don't Uh, usually
0: talk about cheesesteaks in the interview.
1: (laughs) I I get I I get everything out of everybody apparently. (laughs) You do, you do,
0: yes you do.
1: perfect no but uh no but seriously i think that the work you do is awesome in the paranormal field and yeah i wish you nothing but the best in all those Thank books you. you're working on and i mean that all sounds amazing so yeah wish you nothing but the best moving forward and hope you have a good rest of your evening
0: you too eric thanks again
1: yeah awesome Bye. take care Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. Links to Kat's website, books, and other resources we discussed can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for Juxtaposed Journeys wherever you stream your podcast, and maybe tell a friend or two about the show. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated, and it helps the show reach more listeners. It also keeps new episodes coming out. If you're an entrepreneur, creator, I live an interesting lifestyle. Take a few minutes to fill out the questionnaire I have linked below. If you're a good fit, I'll be sure to get in touch with you to be featured on a future episode. I just ask that you have some patience, as I'm pretty backed up with any of your requests at the moment. So thank you to everyone who's reached out and has expressed interest in being on the show. The juxtaposed journey's logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner. And music has been provided by Young Pioneer. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.